Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. I'm just so excited to, to jump into this next chapter, but I'm going to jump right in because we got some ground to cover, all right? If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, we've, we've opened up the book of Ephesians, and we know that this was written 2,000 years ago, and yet there are so many relevant, there's, there's so much relevance to what Paul the Apostle wants to speak to us today, and I would even say more so right now, today, more than ever. This, this rings so true, at least for me as a leader, for me, a part of a community with family and friends, and so I, I want to dive into Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to talk about the greatness of your calling and how that calling should compel you to, a, to lead a life worthy of his call over your life. That's what God does. And we'll, when we go back to chapters 1 through 3, we, we catch this glimpse of the calling that Paul means. You see, it's both big picture and it's, and it's small picture. It's both massive, cosmic, the call over your life. It's ambiguous. It's gigantic, but then it's also specific and unique to you and your personality and what God has called you to do here on this earth, right? So it's big picture and it's specific. And so I want to talk about the big picture first. We've laid the groundwork as we jump into chapter four. Paul's going to talk about the specifics of what it means to be called by God. But he says in chapter one, God chose us for himself before the world was created. Remember we read that? Verse four of chapter one. Chapter 1, verse 5, he predestined us to be his children, which means that we're heirs of all of the Father owns, that we, we have that inheritance, that I am now a son of God. I'm chosen. I'm adopted, right? Chapter 1, verse 7 says, he sent Christ to redeem us for all of our trespasses, all of the things that you've done in the past, all of the times that not only you've been hurt by others, but you've hurt others. He's redeemed you from that. Chapter 1, verse 13, he sealed us with his Holy Spirit to preserve us forever. It's not just a momentary call. It's not just a call for a couple of decades. It is an eternal call. Chapter 2, verse 7, he promises to spend an eternity, a lifetime, increasing our joy in the immeasurable riches of his grace. His grace is upon you. You can't take it. From, you can't take it from God. It's a gift that he, get, he gave you. And then chapter 3, verse 10, he gave us the mission as a church to display his wisdom even to the principalities and powers of the heavenly places. Or as chapter 112 says, we are destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. All of that to say, remember, we've talked about this. You are chosen, you are adopted, and you're redeemed. You're like, man, you said that every week because you need to know this. If you don't get this part, you're not going to get today. If you don't understand the foundation to which Jesus has come and what he did here on this earth to do for your soul and for mine, then you'll miss why we must live in a certain way. Right? He says in, in verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received what did you receive? We just talked about it, right? You received all those things from God. You received the spirit of God. You received the redemptive power of God. You received the grace of God. It is on you. You're a son and daughter. 
But yet we talked about this, we don't live like a son or daughter, right? We live in such a way where it's like we're trying to catch up with all the things that God has told us we are, but we're not like living in it. And there's this dichotomy of our soul because we know we're chosen, called, and redeemed, but we're not living that way. So the privilege and purpose of our God-given calling is greater, watch this, is greater than the privilege and purpose of you fill in the blank in your life, a status or an office or a particular career, whatever that is, the purpose and the call God has over your life is greater than any of those things. The calling that we're adopted, chosen, redeemed to discover the purpose to which we can contribute, we, that, that's why we get called and we get called to do something in this world because we ask that song, kingdom come, right? The heaven come, come here here on earth. So for me, as I walk as a follower of Jesus, that's my prayer. God, do whatever you have to do within me so that I can bring the kingdom of heaven wherever I go. So let's read this together. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling as you receive. Be completely humble and gentle. Uh Uh-oh. Be patient. Bearing, or another translation I like more is enduring, with one another. Do you have to endure with one another sometimes? I know I do, I'll be honest. Enduring one another in love. Remember, going the distance we talked about last week, the the end result of your life should be a person of love, right? That's why we do the work of our soul. That's why we, in, in the men's crew, we're emotionally healthy spirituality, right? The ultimate man, we're working through all this stuff, and man, I could just talk for days on that. It's like, The work that Christ is doing within us is so that we can be a person of love. So if the end result is not love, then it's not Jesus, really. It's another God you've created. So check that really quick. Please don't let that, like, go. If if the way you live your life is not a life of love, it's not the Jesus that you're worshiping this morning. I mean, honestly, like, I just got to be really honest for a second It's hard being a pastor because it's like we say we love Jesus, but we're not people of love, you know? And so it's like, let's let's keep reading. (laughs) Verse three, make every effort. You see the effort? That's action. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, you were called One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We're going to stop right there because, I mean, I could keep going, but we got to hit on those. Those are six verses that will take me 25 minutes to just digest for a moment. You guys ready to go in? So I I want to title this conversation today, Characteristics of Unity. What are the characteristics of unity? If you have a particular calling and it's worthy, you must live in a worthy manner of the one he called you to, then what blows my mind is Paul could have talked about anything. He just got done laying the groundwork of theology for us. Chosen, adopted, redeemed, right? We got the spirit of God, we got the grace of God. Now I'm secure, I'm a son and I'm a daughter. And you would think the first thing he would say to the people of Ephesus 2,000 plus years ago and to the people of us is like, don't live in sexual morality, right? Don't live in anger with one another. 
Stop living this way. Stop doing these things. And all of those things are honest and true and real, and the scripture hits on it, right? But why would Paul, the first thing he talks about in regards to effort we must step into is to be a people of unity. Notice this, our doing, doing, I'm a follower of Jesus, I have my own soul, you have your own soul. Your soul is a collection of your intellect, your social life, right? Your emotions, your spiritual, your physical, that's your soul. That being, because we're human beings, you have to understand your doing flows from your being. Don't miss this one. Your doing What you do, how you interact, is a direct reflection of your being, of what is within you, of what is your soul. So what you do comes from who you are. Hopefully, it's in Jesus, right? Now, let's just dive into that just for a second. If you do not know Christ, if if you could care less about God, and you're in turmoil with your soul because you don't realize the peace and the bond that God wants to have for your life, right? What happens is we become people that are incredibly anxious, incredibly depressed. We don't seem to have any purpose or calling. We don't have any means to which we wake up in the morning. And so we're dying. We're like dead men walking, right? We talked about that. So when you are secure in who you are in Christ and you know that within you, you begin to naturally, what is your being will become your doing. You will live that out. So I got got to wonder sometimes, for myself included, when I have issues with a brother or sister, when I have issues with Kelly, and I'm sitting by myself, and I'm praying, the first thing that comes to my mind is, are you a person of Jesus? That's That's the lens to which I see my life. Is this, wow, Sammy, you just, you just really overreacted there. That is your being. That's within you? It's like if I was running around with a cup of whatever and you knocked into me, whatever's inside that cup's gonna come out, right? <laughs> and so I always find it interesting. This is a small little exaggeration of an example. You know when, uh, oh, Sean, Sean K.O., Sean, you in the room, bro? Sorry to call you out, man. You're around here somewhere, I think. Uh, we've been working out on Saturdays and I, and like my elbow started hurting. I thought I had like tennis elbow, right? Cause we were like deadlifting really hard and, and Eric wanted to lift all heavy. So I was like, okay, I'll lift every with you. And so my elbow started hurting. It's been like three weeks. And so anyway, Sean was rubbing it out, right? He's done therapy. He's kind of been, has that background and it hurts so bad. And he was like, don't cuss pastor, right? Because what is inside will come out. Has that ever happened to you? I've, this is just for Sammy. I've taken close watch on how I respond and react when something slaps me in the face. I, I just care about my language. That's why. Because the scripture says to, to watch what, how you speak. Let no, no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's a side note. Anyway, this is a process, right? However, we must take further action. Notice the first topic Paul turns to, he could have hit on so many different things, right? Yet he focuses on unity. Remember, the first three chapters can be summed up in the vertical basis of our faith. Me and God, right? That's here. But what he does in the next coming chapters is he says, now we must talk about reconciliation. Meaning, I must be reconciled to you, to my brother. Romans 
talks about how I must be reconciled to God. That's the whole chapter. Ephesians says how I must be reconciled to each other, right? So when you're, when you're here with God and we're good, I got the spiritual gifts, I can prophesy, Corinthians, I can speak in tongues, but if I don't have love, it's nothing. So watch your doing from your being, right? And the focus now is on the horizontal. It's on the you and I right here. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. You notice all the ones there? Paul's saying specifically one, united here. Not separated, but together as a community and as a people of one. And then verse three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Notice, we are called to keep unity, not create unity. It just said that in the Bible. Make every effort to keep the unity. So Jesus already created unity. He did that on the cross. He, create, unity is already established. You and I, we are in unity. But I try to, if I try to manufacture it and if I try to overextend it and if I try to make it happen, it's already happened. Now it's a reflection on, on my being and your being. Can you catch up to what God's trying to do? He said you're already unified through the cross. So you're not called to, 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 to make unity. You're called to keep unity. That's theology right there. You guys see what I'm saying there? The unity is already created through the cross. The gospel creates unity, not us. We don't, we, we, we don't have to do that. We have to maintain it and walk in it. We don't have to create or establish it. Do you, do you see what I'm saying there? There's a big difference. Here is a question then you must ask yourself. Is unity an option? Is it? You're like, yeah, well, I don't really like what my sister said or my brother said. I don't really like how that person spoke to me. They made me feel really uncomfortable. So is unity an option then? Well, from the scripture, unity is a requirement. It's not an option. It's actually a commandment. The gospel news of Jesus creates one family. So let me make things really clear. You're gonna like this part. Do not confuse unity for uniformity. All right, let me, let me go deep in this because I like this. This is probably my main point here. It's really easy to be in unity with people that are like you. They walk like you, they talk like you, they dress like you, they go to the same gym you go to, they got the same personality as you. Man, it's, we could do life together, bro, let's do it. What about when we have our differences, though? Really easy to be in uniformity with someone, because it's one, it's one, it's one, and we're good, and I know you, and you know me, and we're living life together, and it's easy. Those are the great, I love those relationships, don't you? Man, it's good, it feels good, it's easy to be in relationship with you, but what about the ones that it's not so easy? Paul says, it's enduring. <laughs> That's hard. There's some work involved with it. Uniformity is defined as the state or characteristic of being even, normal, equal, or similar. So uniformity is everyone standing in line as an army, right? And we march to the same beat, and we, we, 
We have the same octave when we give our marches and we give our command and we dress the same and even our hair is all looking the same, right? That's, that's what they did to the Jews. They wanted them to be in uniformity. They wanted to strip away their identity. You, you, you are way different than I am. But the danger is when we all begin to be the same and alike, it's not the expression of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Or it's like saying, hey, everyone, next week we're coming to church and we're all wearing red. That's like the, the expression of uniformity. You get that part? Uniformity? When Kelly and I prayed about this community, we were really specific. We had shared a passion. We talked about this for so long and the desire to find common ground around Jesus. That's my biggest desire within church community. Why? We say this, COIN is a collaboration of people of all different backgrounds and walks of life for one purpose, Jesus. In other words, if I'm different, if I'm Mexican and you're white, or if I'm Puerto Rican and you're Mexican, or you know, you see what I'm saying there? Like, but we're all gathered around the centerpiece of Jesus, it's so easy to find common ground because we're united in Christ. And so race, yes, race has its, its form. There's color in the room, but we're united under the, the, the Godship, under the cornerstone of Christ. Here are some examples, just to rattle the room. There are Democrats in this room, I know for sure. There are Republicans in this room. I love that, by the way. There are those who believe in vaccines in this room, and there are those who don't believe in vaccines in this room. There are those who have iPhones in this room and those who have Androids. We need to pray for those who have Androids, right? <laughs> there are Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. There are brown, white, black, and all different shades of ethnicities. There are those that are wealthy and those that are not so wealthy. Yet the center of our coming together is found on who? Jesus. If we miss that, then I will be in constant issue with you because you don't talk like me. You don't even think like me. Why should I be in the same room with you? I don't even like being around you if you think like that. You see what, you see what I'm saying there? That's, so, so Paul says, <laughs> the first thing I want to encourage you guys in is unity. Unity around the person of Jesus. And imagine if that were not the case, though. Imagine if we were just a church of liberals, or just a church of conservatives. I find that to be incredibly dangerous because that's not the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to walk into church and everyone's in uniformity together. That's, then your uniqueness won't come out. Your story won't evolve or, or, or be on display. Your gift set won't come out. Imagine if we we're all just worshipers we just worshiped in this room and played instrument. That's great, that's awesome, but, but are there administrators in the room? Paul says, are there prophets, are there evangelists, are there teachers? We're, we're one body, but we have many different expressions of how we operate, and it's not always gonna be the same personality. There's gonna be differences, but we must find unity in that. Aside from concrete, biblical, theological truths, right, which are beliefs that have been held for thousands of years that are pillars of the faith, we can't shake on those, right? 
That's why I honestly think that's why Paul says, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He's saying, no, these are the things that are concrete. You can't dispute these. You can't argue against these. However, there are theology or beliefs of Jesus that provides our unity, but here, here it is. Our behavior fractures our unity. So our belief in Jesus, our theology in Jesus will bring us together, but what happens is the distortion comes because of our behaviors and our fractions of our own life, the brokenness of our own life. Usually, it's personal preferences, it's attitudes or behaviors that destroy unity, right? We're quiet in here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so here's, here's the question then. Well, well Pastor Sam, how, how do I find unity then? Well, Paul says it in verse 2. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Can you do that? When you have a difference with someone, are you proud and arrogant and your way is, is the right way? And if it's not the right way, then, then get out of my way? That's, that's pride. That's the destruction of man. Show me a man that is filled with pride, and I'll show you a man that follows in destruction. No friends at the end of his life, because he's just proud and arrogant, or he just has uniformity with everyone that thinks like him or talks like him. But that's not my goal in this life. I, I, I want to be around people with all different backgrounds and perspectives and thoughts and expressions, but the centerpiece of our relationship is, is Jesus and Jesus alone. We can do so much together than we can separate, right? It's one of the things we say at our church. It's an African proverb. It says if you want to go far, 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 then, then I'm sorry, if you want to go fast, then go alone. I want to go as fast as I can because you're in my way and you don't think like me and we want to do it like this and you're thinking that way, so get out of my way. I just want to get as fast as I can to the other side and I'll go alone then. But I want to go far. I want to go the distance, and that takes patience and humility and kindness and gentleness and enduring one another. Come on, bro. It's all right. Hey, man, we got to have some conflict resolution. We got to talk through this. You, you got some resentments built up? Let's work it out so that we can get back in the boat and keep rowing because we have somewhere to go and we have people to find and we have people to help and we need the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So, so let's step away from our differences and press into the person of Jesus. Let's work this out in unity. Here's another powerful question for you. Are you completely humble and gentle and patient, enduring one another in love? Can you say that about yourself? Right, I just did, did a funeral just a couple days ago and funerals are just so hard, right? But what, what is it that they're saying about the individual? What are the characteristics that flow from it? I wanna be a person known as, as someone that was in unity with all people for, for as much as I possibly could. And really, we, we, you know, we talk about this in Ultimate Man, like my actions, and my attitude, th those are mine right here. I can only control my actions and my attitudes. I can't control yours, right? Only you can control that. There's very few things in this world that we can actually have a grip on, and it's my attitude and it's my action. But I, I can't, I, man, it's between you and God, man. 
I tried talking it with you. I tried working it out with you. And, and now there's this bitterness and this strife, and that's between you and God. I, I came clean with Jesus. In my heart, I'm, 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 we're good, but if you want to stay there, then, then, then stay there. That's between you and God. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? Like, there's, there's these steps that we have to take, and it's not fun to be in unity. I have just a couple more thoughts, and, and we're done here. In Ephesians 4.3, it says this. Lead to, the way to lead a life worthy of our calling is to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then verse 2 tells us how to do it. We just said that, right? The first stage of love that leads to humility and, and I'm sorry, the first stage of love that leads to u- un- unity is humility and gentleness. That's the first stage of love. It's humility and it's gentleness. So you want the characteristic of love? Humility and gentleness. The second stage of love results from the first. It is called patience or long-suffering or enduring. Humility is the prerequisite of patience. Haughty people are not patient. Prideful, ego, big, pompous, there is hardly any, if not no, patience within that type of individual. The more highly you think of yourself, the more quickly you will think you should be served. And it's like, here's the honest truth, right? God is so big and vast and cosmic, right? Like, I mean, he's just, he's massive, If you look at certain passages in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, it's just like his robe is like so big and so vast. He's big. He's gigantic. It's like we're little ants next to an Eiffel Tower. That should throw some humility at your way. You're not all that you think you are, unfortunately. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like we, we have to own that there's this humility to ourselves and God and each other. In other words, don't take yourself so serious. Know that God has forgiven you as much as you should forgive your brother or sister. He was patient with you. For some, it was a little longer. It's like, all right, man, okay, let's go back. I'm patient with you. Let's work this out. And it's like, why do we think we shouldn't do that with other people if God's done it with us? Another way of describing the results of humbleness is with the term forbearance. Another word for forbearing is enduring. Just like gentleness is the demeanor of humility, endurance is the demeanor of patience. I'll say that again. Just like gentleness is the demeanor of humility, endurance is the demeanor of patience. So I'm so glad Paul said we must endure one another. Honestly, I'm like, thank you, Paul. I understand what you're saying there. This frees me from the hypocritical need to think I or anyone else in the church is perfect or anyone else in your family or any other relationships you have. You're not perfect and neither am I, right? Perfect people don't need to be endured or forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then we kind of go into, and I'll just dabble on this just for a moment. We're talking in, in our, our, uh, our ultimate man as we go through this journey. It's so beautiful, by the way. And, and I'm just, 
we're just gonna find people and some guys and we're just gonna build the whole church up behind this because I love it so much, but it talks about we're, we're on the section right now of resentments, right? That resentments will poison you. That bitterness you have towards whatever it was and it was real what happened and the, it, was, it was messed up what happened that, that what, what, what happens is it builds this, this resentment within your soul and then you move on and you do life and you're wondering why you're so broken inside. You're not sure what it is until you pinpoint that you, you haven't forgiven particular people in your life. I mean, the Bible makes it really clear. It's actually terrifying to me. Jesus says, if you don't know how to forgive one another, how can I forgive you? The more that we experience the forgiveness of God, the more we understand the forgiveness of others. You see the, the vertical and the horizontal there? And I know, I, by the way, I know this is not easy. This is a process, right? It's an enduring, patient process. Paul is not naive. We do this often and think we are better than each other or somehow more entitled than one another. So his counsel here is not how perfect people can live together in unity, but how real, imperfect disciples of Jesus can maintain the unity of the Spirit, namely by enduring each other in love. Man, it's, it's a process. <laughs> Man, it's not easy to love you sometimes, but I'm going to love you anyway. Man, it's, I'm not sure why you're doing this. You're destroying things in your life, but I'm going to love you through it anyway. I'm gonna endure with one another. I'm gonna endure with you. That's why, personally, I love being a part of the same church for a while. What happens is we, we, we go to a church and we get in community and it's all good and dandy and it's fun. It's like, wow, this is so awesome. And then along enough, there's a little conflict that happens. And it's like, oh, you know, they were wrong and I'm right and I'm haughty and so it's like, see you later and they leave the church. And then they go find another church, and they thought the problem was there with them, but it, it was with them here. And so then they go somewhere else, and they, oh, wow, this is awesome, man, yeah. And then conflict arises, and, the same, and then it's a pattern over and over and over again. And the Spirit of God is saying, you must find unity. You must let go of the resentments. You must work through these things. You must live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Stop living like that. That's not who God called you to be. He called you to live, as Paul would say, in unity with one another. Therefore, let's not be puffed up, but humble and gentle. And let's not be impatient, let us not be impatient or resentful, but long-suffering and forgiving, then the unity that Christ died to create will become real in our church. And we will not bring any disrepute upon the great God, the great God, the vast God, the beautiful God that called us into his kingdom. We didn't call ourselves into this. He called you into his kingdom. 
He said, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Man, I've created you for a purpose. I've established you in a time like this. I've done some work in your life. All the things that have happened, I know you didn't have a father. I know your mother hurt you. I know that thing that happened when you were younger devastated you. But I'm going to work all things that the devil intended for evil. I'm going to work it for good in your life. If you just be, I'm patient with you, son. Be patient with me. Be patient with one another. And the more that you do that with Jesus, it's real and it's not fake anymore like this is real stuff here gosh I just don't want to live my life a part of a community that's just faking it we got to be real with one another we got to let go of resentments we got to stop thinking we're better than one another work it out then you know it's like we're going to come up with a game plan on our team whenever there's an offense this is what you do And then you do this, and then you go here, and this is what Jesus said to do. Go to the person. Don't talk about it with everybody else. Nobody needs to know about it. Go to wise counsel. Seek advice. Go to a mentor. Go to a pastor and say, I have something to share with you in confidence. This is eating me up inside. And if if we have the right model, which is Jesus, it's like, okay, go to the person then. Just go to the person and talk to them. And then Jesus said, if you go to the person and talk to him, and then there's a lot of these, all these issues, then you bring someone else in. I think Paul said it, actually. And then you bring someone in, and there's still issues. He says, to leave them, let them be whatever they want to do then. Like Jesus said, wipe your feet off and just go to the next town. But you don't have resentment. You just say, I did everything that I was supposed to do in my actions, in my attitudes. I showed love to you. I showed compassion to you. It is not my choice how you deal with this. That's why you have to be in your own relationship with Jesus. You guys catching this? Is this making sense? I know this is kind of like a heavier message, but this is real stuff. Honestly, like, worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm, I'm like so, I get real frustrated because I'm, I'm real. I'm like, an, I'm not just, you know, I'm not perfect up here. Don't, don't misread that. I'm not perfect. Like, I get frustrated sometimes. It's like, man, we're to be people of faith, people of unity, people of love. Why is it that we still have conflict with our brother and sister in the church? We got to work this stuff out in fear and trembling because our rabbi said to do it, right? But that's why I love digging through the psychology of this. And we're doing this with like the emotional component of our soul. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I see why Jesus has done this to have forgiveness with each other. Because we will live a life in resentment and we won't live that abundant life that Jesus called us to live. Because we have bitterness built up into us. And then we live, we, we, we come to the end of our age and we're just mad and frustrated and upset with so many people. But we just didn't let God teach you how to forgive them and be in unity. So right now, my, my encouragement to you as we just, as we press into worship right now, I just want to pray for those people in the room that are just dealing with this stuff. Because if we don't take it to God, then it's going to eat us up in the inside. And you can't, I mean, John says, I've told you guys this before, John says this in his gospel. He was the last youngest disciple, closest to Jesus, Right? He like laid on his Jesus' shoulder in, in the, the, the dinner table at the Last Supper. He was right there with Jesus. And John writes, he says, if you claim to love God, but you don't love your brother or sister, you, you really don't know God. 
Like you, you think you know God, but you, that's not how God operates. If you really love God and know God, then you'll love people. And you'll do everything you can to keep the unity. You'll make every effort to keep the unity with one another. Does that make sense? Let's pray together. Jesus, we come before you right now. We're so thankful for, for some of these meteor messages, God, that we just need to hear. I, I need to hear it, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would do a deep work within our soul that only you can do, Father. Really, God, only you can do this stuff. You invite us to the table, though, God. You invite us to the conversation. And I pray, Lord, that in moments like this, that our brain can re redevelop, we can renew our mind on some of the things that we've thought for so many years. Maybe our family taught us to just build up all this resentment and just let them go, to sweep it under the rug. But God, that's not what your word says. I, I wanna live a life of peace, God. I wanna find peace, pursue peace. And so whatever you say I have to do, Lord, I'm at that point in my life, I'm just there, God. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Sometimes it's not that easy, though. Sometimes you've given me the word to digest this. You've just spoken to all of us this morning by your word. You have just told all of us this morning, be in unity with one another. Because the world will see when you're not in unity and the world will also see when you are in unity and father that's my prayer for this church that's my prayer for me for my marriage with my children that i would be a person of unity god with one another and even if i gotta bear it and, and endure it i will do it god because you told me to do it because you've called me you've adopted me you've chosen me and you'll give me the spirit to just do these hard things, Jesus. We love you so much this morning, God. In your name we pray, amen.